receive. You know, giving, if it's done right, in line with the word of God and in line with Jesus' words, giving should be a blessing. It should be something that we're excited about. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to be talking about the giving of finances. The giving of finances. And so we're titling this series over the next several Sunday mornings, The Offering. The Offering. And so we're going to be talking about uh, prosperity, if you will, on Sunday mornings and healing on Wednesday evenings. And John the Apostle said that he desired above all things that we would prosper and be in health. So the month of April will be a month of of, of uh, healing and prosperity that we're going to center in on. Now, I have said very little to almost nothing about the giving of financial offerings over the past 20 plus years. Almost, I've said almost nothing about it. Now, the reason that I have said little to nothing about it is that some preachers are notorious for preaching about money, as you probably know. And I've seen so much abuse in this area and uh, preachers using gimmicks. We'll talk about some of those as we go. Promising things that if you'll give, they promise things that the Bible does not promise and so on. And, uh, and the reason I haven't said hardly anything about giving of offerings is I don't want to get grouped in with those folk, with those preachers. In 2 Corinthians, the second chapter in the 17th verse, reading from the Amplified Translation, it'll be on the screen. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 17, Amplified, says this. The Apostle Paul says, For we are not like so many, like hucksters making a trade of peddling God's word. Notice, so many ministers are hucksters. I call them money bilkers. They're just trying to bilk you out of your money. And they're doing nothing more than peddling the word of God. See, I didn't want to get grouped among those people. And those preachers are not unique to our time. You've seen them all through the Bible, even in the Old Testament. And certainly in the, in the days of the early church. Hucksters peddling God's word. Notice, shortchanging and adulterating the divine message. But like men of sincerity... And the pure, honest motive, as commissioned and sent by God, we speak his message in Christ the Messiah in the very sight and presence of God. And so the reason I have said so little about money over the last 20 years is because I didn't want you to think that I was a huckster. And I hope that you don't think that. I think 20 years should prove, be a good track record to prove to you my heart as it pertains to Money. I'd say 20 years is, is a pretty good span of not talking about money. Don't you think? But the Bible talks about it, as we'll see. And so we need, to, we need to see what the Bible has to say about it. You know, the Bible says the love of money. Paul told Timothy, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money isn't, but the love of it is. And he goes on to say, and some people craving money... Have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I've watched so many ministers over the years. On television and not on television. They started out good men and women of God. But somehow or another money, the love of it got a hold of them. 
A lot of times they start out real good and their ministry grows and gets so big that they can't, they don't have enough money coming in to support it that they have to start using gimmicks to get people to give to support their ministry. And it's very unfortunate. You have to be so careful about money. You have to be so watchful about it. We've said this many times, but I'll say it again. There's nothing wrong with having money. God wants you to have money. The Bible has nothing good to say about poverty. God wants you to be prosperous. But he does not want money to have you. Okay? And so many people, uh, money has them. And one way you can tell that money has you and you don't have it is if when there's an offering... And the Spirit of God deals with your heart to give a certain amount and you can't turn loose of it. That's proof to you that money has you, you don't have money. Did you get what I just said? Did you get that? Okay. And we'll say much about this as we go. Now, one area of the uh, of finances that I have focused on in the last 20 years, and, and I'm not saying that I've never preached or said anything about money. I've just said very little about it. But one area of money that I have said a lot about is the natural side of finances. You know, there's the spiritual side, which is what we're going to be talking about over the next month on Sunday mornings. I've said a little about that, but I have said a lot about the natural side, the the, the natural side of money. Did you know the Bible has much to say about the natural side of money, like being a hard worker, saving, making good investments? Not spending beyond your means, not using your credit card when you shouldn't be, and so on and so forth. You know, uh, so many people, uh, and you see this so much with, with preachers who, who don't have right motives, they, they seldom will talk to you about the natural side of finances. They're always talking about the spiritual side, give, 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 give. Do you understand that? And so, you see, we're spiritual people, we're natural people. There's a spiritual side to, 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 to giving of tithes and offerings. And there's a natural side to managing your money and being a hard worker and all of that. I've said much about being a hard worker and managing your money. Uh, uh, said little about what we're going to be talking about in this series. But I feel led of the Spirit of God to do it at this time. Of uh, the 38 recorded parables of Jesus... Sixteen deal with money or possessions. Jesus had much to say about this subject. In the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of ten verses deals directly with the subject of money. And the Bible offers approximately 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on handling money and possessions and, and giving of tithes and so on and offerings. Did, did you hear that? So the Bible has really more to say about money than it does prayer or faith. Now, perhaps the reason the Bible puts so much emphasis on money is because of what Jesus said in Matthew 6.21. Let's look at that. Matthew 6.21 in New King James Version. And this is something you need to really meditate on. Jesus said... For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I would have thought, and if you don't keep this fresh in your thinking, you'll, you'll say, well, where your heart is, your treasure will be. But that's not what Jesus said, is it? He didn't say where your heart is. Your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, 
that's where your heart will be. You need to understand that your heart follows your treasure. We'll say it another way. Your heart follows your money. If you put your money in the things of this world, your heart will be in this world. If you put your treasure in the kingdom of God, your heart will be there. All you really need to do to find out where your heart is, is go into your checkbook. And your checkbook will tell you where your heart is. Your heart and your money are closely linked together. Now, don't forget that. Your heart is linked to your what? Your money. Now, does your money follow your heart or does your heart follow your money? Wherever the treasure is, that's where the heart's going to be. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. Now, as we go through this series... There will be no guilt or condemnation that I will lay upon anyone. I don't believe in doing that. I'm not trying. Now, listen carefully. I'm not trying to manipulate you into giving. This church is paid off. This church is in excellent financial shape. And it has been for years. This church has always been in excellent financial shape. We've never wanted for anything We've never had a lack of anything. The only thing we've ever had a lack of is volunteers. And that's a whole nother message. And you know there's more to it than just giving your money. There's giving your time and your talent. Now in this series we're going to be talking about giving of your money. But you know giving your time and your talent. And actually on the positive side of that we have... A high percentage of people that do volunteer in this church. So I want to commend you. But but uh, uh, you shouldn't just be giving your money. You should be giving of your time and talent as well. Do you understand that? But we've never had a shortage of finances. The church is in excellent shape. Personally, my wife and I are in excellent financial condition. Now, somebody says you're bragging. No, I'm not bragging, but but you need to realize that if you apply the principles of the word of God over time, shouldn't we be blessed? Or should I be doing this for 20 years and we're still in deep debt and we're sinking financially? and, And all that does is prove that I haven't worked the word of God properly. And then somebody says, well, I'm not going to give into that ministry. They already have uh, everything they need. Well, let me ask you this. When the Bible likens money to seed, you've got to be careful with that message that you don't push it into the ditch. But the Bible does liken money to seed. And somebody said, well, if all your needs are met, why do I want to give into this ministry? Where do you want to plant your seed? Do you want to plant your seed into bad ground or into good ground? Huh? Do you want to plant your seed, your money, into something that's sinking in debt and something that has proven that the Word of God doesn't work? Or do you want to plant your seed into a ministry where, where we've proven the Word of God, it works, it is working, we're supporting missionaries, etc.? Where do you want to plant your seed? See, you have to make that decision. Because I've already heard people say, well, I'm not going to bless Joyce Meyer. She's got so much money, she doesn't know what to do with it all. Listen, you ought to be planting some money in, into that ministry. And look at all the souls she reaches. That's good ground. 
Billy Graham's ministry is good ground. You can't give in to all of them. So, well, what should I do? Be, realize, say, be led. Be led by the Holy Spirit. You okay? So I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. And I didn't say that to be braggadocious. I, I said that because I felt it needed to be said. I don't need your money, but, but, but it's important that you're involved in, in, in supporting the work of God, as we'll see as we go. Now, one other thing I want to tell you is I, I want to say, listen to the Word of God. Judge it for yourself as we go through this series and let the Holy Spirit deal with you, lead you, and then be obedient to Him. Also, what I want to say is I'm not going to be looking at this subject through the lens of the Old Testament. I'm going to be looking at this subject through the lens of the New Testament. If you've ever noticed when so many times when, and I'm not here to bash ministers, but it's just the truth. When teaching is done on Tithes and offerings and giving of finances. Did you ever notice that almost without exception, the minister goes back to the Old Testament? Not all the time, but almost without exception. Well, we don't live in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. So in this series, we're going to look at tithing and giving of finances, not through the lens of the Old Testament, but we're going to look at it through the lens of the New Testament. Though I will at times go to the Old Testament to, to look at some examples, and sometimes the New Testament tells us to go to the Old Testament and, and look at some things, which we will do. But, but, but for the most part, we're going to be looking at this subject through the lens of the New Testament. Don't you think that's, that, that's good to do? I, I felt led of the Spirit to do it that way. Now, first of all, who should give offerings? Who should give offerings? We're going to turn to a verse now that we seldom ever go to. Third John. Go to Third John. Remember, there's the Gospel of John, and then there's the Epistles or the letters. First, Second, Third John. Third John only has one chapter, so we're going to go to Third John, the first chapter, the only chapter there, and start in the fifth verse. New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen. Um, have you ever heard unbelievers? Say, they'll gripe and they'll say, the church is always after my money. All they want is my money. Well, you know, we're going to see in this verse that God is not interested in unbelievers' money. Notice this. Dear friends, verse 5. You are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told uh, they have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves, we ourselves should support them that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. Notice in verse 7 tells me that God is not interested in unbelievers money he's interested in their heart but when God gets somebody's heart what's going to happen the heart and the money are linked together aren't they but if you ever hear an unbeliever and I just felt impressed to say that in this series as we begin here if you ever hear an unbeliever say well all God wants is my money you can tell them God's not interested in your money. And he's not. He's interested in their soul. Is that right? But once they become a believer, then they need to become a giver. 
and start investing their money into the kingdom of God because the heart follows the treasure. And all believers should be givers. I'm talking to finances now. I'm talking about your M-O-N-I-E. What does that spell? M-O-N-E-Y. Money. Nothing. I don't think there's anything. And by Jesus' own words, there's really nothing that represents your heart more than your money. It's just the way that it is. If you want to start dealing with you know, dealing with people and making them nervous and all that, just start talking about their money. Is that right? Amen. If I was a politician and I stood up here and I said, I'm going to raise taxes. <laughs> what's going to happen? There's going to be a what? Boo, boo. Give me a good boo on that. Boo. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, because your money. But if I say, I'm going to lower taxes, because it has to do, when you get in somebody's purse, their wallet, their pocketbook, you're dealing with their heart. Huh? No, it's the truth. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Your heart follows your, your money or your treasure. All believers should be givers of finances and their time and talent, but this series talking about money. Now, looking through the lens of the New Testament, people want to know about tithing. Because it's clearly in the Old Testament, it's before the law, it's in the law. Jesus was a tither. And but, but tithing in the New Testament, I'm not going to cover that today. I want to spend a whole session on that, if that's agreeable with you. So that will be coming down the road. We're going to be talking about tithing in the New Testament I believe in it. I believe that the tithing is a principle that you see throughout the word of God. It isn't changed in the New Testament. But I will throw this in right now. The Old Testament basically under law. The New Testament were under grace, which is better than law. In the Old Testament, yes, tithing was 10%. And tithing means 10%. And God expected the tithe in the Old Testament. Would he expect any? Isn't grace better than law? Would God expect less of us under something that's better? Hmm? Would he? No. If, if, if Old Testament is law and tithing is clearly there and New Testament is grace and it's better than law, would God expect less of us in something that's better? Or wouldn't he expect more of us? I believe the 10% is a good place to start. We'll say a lot about that as we go. By the time I get done, people that have a problem, uh, let me say it this way. By the time I get done, people that, that money has them, I'm talking about you nice people sitting out there. By the time I get done here in four weeks with the word of God, if, 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 you, if, if money has you, you're going to think tithing was a real good deal. Because God expects more than 10% under grace. How much more than 10%, Pastor Terry? I got the answer for you. You ready? Real loud, say, be led. Being led by the Spirit is the answer to a thousand and one questions.
I can't tell you how much more than 10%. That's between you and the Lord. But I believe 10% is a benchmark of starting in the New Testament. Don't you see tithe throughout? You see it in the Garden of Eden, don't you? There was one mark, there was one, that tree, one tree was marked for God. Is that right? First city, Jericho, that was marked for God, wasn't it? You see that throughout the entirety of the Bible. And I've no, I'll, I'll tell you this, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Tithing is marked as a blessing or a curse. It's marked as a blessing or a curse. It belongs to God, 10% belongs to God, and either God's going to get it or the devil's going to get it. But you're not going to get it. Did you hear what I just said? Did you get that? It's just the way that it is. I've watched this for 30 some odd years now. And, and that's just the tithing is marked for what? A blessing or a curse. And really, you know, some people think, well, 10% belongs to God. 90% belongs to me. Wrong thinking. It all belongs to God. Is that right? He's allowing you to keep 90 and manage it for him. And he, 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 did, he requires the 10. Is that right? Well, we'll say more about Hopefully I've whet your appetite a little bit. I've got a whole message on tithing in the New Testament. Now, let's go on here and let's talk a little bit about how should a believer give? How should a believer give? Notice 1 Corinthians 16. The Apostle Paul, now we're looking at this through the lens of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he was receiving a special offering for the church in Jerusalem. For the church in Jerusalem. And, and, and he was going to be taking that offering to the church in Jerusalem. And in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Corinthians, we learn some things about giving as given by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. 1st Corinthians 16 verse 1. New Living Translation, it'll be on the screen, talking about this offering that they're receiving. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. So there's a procedure here. And in verse 2, he says, on the first day of each week, well, that would be Sunday, wouldn't it? You should each put aside, you should each, was anybody exempted from it? Everybody. Everybody. Is that correct? Somebody said, well, I'm just, I'm just too poor to, 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 to get involved in giving anything away. Did you know that in, in the New Testament, and the ministry of Jesus, you know who gave the offering that perhaps impressed him the most? Was the poor widow with two mites. God expects everybody to be involved in giving. On whatever level you're on. In the, now, I will say this. In the Old Testament, not everybody was expected to give the same. There was offerings that the rich would give and there were offerings that the poor would give. God never expected, listen carefully, God never expected the poor to give a rich man's offering. But he never expected the rich man to give a poor man's offering. And when the rich give a poor man's offering, it's, it's one of the most insulting things you can do to God. Hear me? Well, we'll say more about it as, as we go. The first day of the week, Sunday, so they'd come together on Sunday. You should each, 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 everybody ought to be involved. 
put aside a a portion of the money you have earned. Now, I have to believe that that they had to have support for their church. So on the first day of the week, I believe they received tithes and offerings much like we do here. And uh, they're going to receive a special offering for the church in Jerusalem. And he says, on the first day of the week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. The King James says, as God has prospered you, the NIV says, in keeping with his income. So, of course, God does not expect you to give beyond your means. Now, let me just say some things. On the first day of the week, I see regularity here, don't you? Something they did on the first day of the week. You know, uh, as I've been doing this many, many years and talked to many people, uh, some people give weekly. Some people give every other week. Some people give monthly. Again, that's between you and the Lord. But there needs to be some regularity to it. Because some people, they get paid every other week. Some people get paid monthly. Some people get paid weekly. I believe when there's income, there should be giving take place. I personally believe when, when, when income comes in, there should be a tithe and an offering. Okay? But that's between you and the Lord. That's just what, what I see in Scripture. There should be some, some systematicness to it. There should be some pre-planning to it. Put aside a portion of the money you have earned implies, again, whenever income is received, we should be, we should be giving. Um, now, go to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 5, and let's pick up on this. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 5, we're talking about giving money here now. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 5 picks up with this. He continues with this, with, with this Jerusalem offering. He says, I want it, this is New Living Translation, we'll pick up midway through the verse. I want it to be, you can look on the screen, he says, I want it to be, is this New Living Translation? Is this 2 Corinthians 9, 5? Is the second part of the verse? Okay, right there in the middle there says, but I want it to be, what kind of a gift? A willing gift. And not one giving how. God wants us to give willingly. Not grudgingly. I'll tell you right now. If you're going to release something into the offerings of God. And you're not doing it willingly. And you're doing it grudgingly. Keep it. Don't give it. You're going to need it. And when you're going to need it. God's not going to be there. Well, it's hard to say because people don't like that. Because people like to be freeloaders and people, I shouldn't be talking. God called me a freeloader one time. I was sitting in a church. I'm sitting there and I was making a good good wage and I'd put in my $5 a week. And I did that for a long time. And the Spirit of the Lord, Word of the Lord came to me and He called me a freeloader. He called me that right on the inside. And he began to talk to me about how I wasn't doing my part, my share. And when that offering would go by, I'd kind of... 
Did I have money or did money have me? If you can't do it willingly and you can't, it's going to be grudgingly, don't give it at all. Just keep it. You're going to need it. Do I paint God to be a meanie when I say you're going to need it? That he won't be there for you unless you support his work? We're going to see a scripture here in a moment that the church in Philippi were the only church that supported Paul's ministry. And when Paul said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that wasn't for everybody. That was for that church that was the only church that supported the work of God. God is only obligated to help people financially who are giving into the work of God. If you're not giving into the work of God, God is not obligated to meet your needs and to supply for you. Boy, that sounds hard. I didn't mean to say that, but I felt impressed of the Spirit to get a little blunt right there. Sometimes you've got to pat, slap people around to get their attention. Is it okay if I do that? I guess it's okay if the Holy Ghost is behind it. Let the Holy Ghost step on your toes and don't be offended. Now, if I step on your toes because I'm being rude, now that's different. But if the Holy Ghost steps on your toes, you need him stepped on. And he'll heal your toes. We'll see here in just a moment. God's not obligated to supply for you if you're not involved in, in supporting the work of God. Did you hear me? Boy, it got quiet all of a sudden. Was that offensive to people, do you think? Anybody get offended at that? Okay. If it's not willing, if it's giving grudgingly, keep it. You're going to need it. So let's don't be like that. When the offering bucket comes by, let's be what? Let's be willing. Say willing. willing. Let's be willing. Because, you see, if this is done right, Jesus said it's what? More what? Blessed to Give. Than to receive, there's a great blessing in giving. And, and we shouldn't look at giving as a grudging thing. Man, it's an opportunity to be a blessing to people. Man, and let's get on the boat and let's get on the train and bless people. What do you say? That's how he, he says, he says, I want it to be willing. I want it not grudgingly. Now look at verse 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to what? Pressure. For God loves a person who gives how? Cheerfully. Now I want to come back to this verse, but before I do, I want them to put it up in the amplified version. And, and I want, let's read this here. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under, or under pressure or compulsion. Now watch this next part. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. There's the giving in the New Testament lens in it right there in a nutshell. Isn't that, that's exciting, isn't it? 
And God is not, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. I don't want me, Terry Shield, I don't want to be a freeloader. And I don't want to be a tipper. I want to be a tither and a giver. How about you? And I want to be quick and prompt to do it. I want to do it with a willing heart, not grudgingly. And, and I want to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And, 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 uh, uh, and can you say amen? You remember Scrooge after he got, after he repented? I want to be like him after he repented. He's just going around blessing everybody, giving stuff away. And don't ever forget this. You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. Now let's go back to this in uh, verse 7. You must, must, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Uh, I have seen people over the years that they've given too much because, and here's the thing. They don't want to do the natural side of doing wise things with their money and they think they can just tithe and give their way out of a problem. Did you know you can't tithe and give your way out of a problem if you're not doing the natural things? Did you get what I just said? I've already seen men, uh, uh, they're going to give their whole paycheck away because we're going to give our way out of this problem. No, that's not the right way to handle it. You can give too much. You need to you need to purpose in your heart. You need to get before God. I believe in the New Testament 10% is the benchmark and then give beyond that even if it's a penny. I, one penny beyond the tithe I believe is an offering, but get before God and seek the Lord as to how much to give beyond the tithe. You okay? But you need to decide in your heart. Don't you see some advanced planning here? I don't see where in New Testament giving we ought to just show up at church and then when the offering bucket goes by, we decide at that time how much we're going to give as a general rule. We ought to have that ahead of time. Now, I believe you can be in a service and the Spirit of God might move on you to give something extra, certainly. But, but as a general rule, I think we should purpose in our heart, look at our income, be a tither, be a giver, decide before we come to church what we're going to, what we're going to do. Sometimes you might be in church and the, and the offering bucket's coming by and the Spirit of God might say, you know, there's a special something or other going on, like heart's desire or whatever, and the Spirit of God might move on you to do something. I, I do believe in that kind of spontaneity. Do you understand what I'm saying? But as a general rule, you know, uh, there's some advanced planning. Don't ever just give on impulse. You know what I mean, Impulse. Uh, give me give you an example. A lady came home once from a certain meeting that she went to. And it was a unsavory minister. A big name minister. If I call the individual's name, you'd know who it was. They were using a gimmick. And the lady comes home and she informs her husband that she had given away $10,000 in the offering. Of course, after the husband, after she picked him back up off of the floor, to married couples, you need to talk about your giving and you shouldn't come home and tell your husband or your, come home and tell your wife, you know, I gave X amount of money away 
Now, you know, if I came home and said, you know, Diane, I gave $20 away. She's not going to be laying on the floor. If I came home and said, you know, I gave, I gave, you know, $3,000 away. What you talking about? Or vice versa. So we need to have some common sense among the, these kinds of things. You follow what I'm saying? Decide in your heart. Are you okay? But don't let your giving become mechanical. Stay enthused about it. You know, it's real easy with tithing to just, well, here comes, here's the 10, 10%, just clunk it in. Don't, don't become that way. Be enthused about it. You hear me? And always keep your heart open to hear from God because he might want you to give money to a certain thing here, a certain thing there. You know, you can't give to all of them, but give. How do you give as you're what? Say, as, I, as I'm led. As I'm led. Led by the Spirit. Now look at 2 Corinthians 8. Verse 1, sometimes God will lead you to give sacrificially. Sometimes he will. Now look here at 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, New Living Translation, still on this offering to Jerusalem. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that God in his kindness has done through the churches what he has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Are the poor Christians exempted from giving? No. They are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Listen, are there times that God does expect us to give sacrificially? Yes or no? Yes. And are there times that he might want to stretch us, maybe giving a little bit beyond what we might think that we should naturally? Does that ever happen? Yes. Because, you see, I think that if we are just just giving, you know, the 10 percent or a certain amount all the time, that's good. And that takes faith. But did you ever think about that widow with the two mites when she released that into that offering? It was all she had. Do you think it took faith for her to release that? Yes or no? Yeah. Those rich people that had probably hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, if they threw in 50,000, is that really, does that really take any faith for them? No. If Donald Trump gave this church $50,000, would that really scratch the surface of his wealth? But if somebody that is barely making it gave all that they had, that would take faith, wouldn't it? I wasn't knocking Donald Trump, but I mean, he's a billionaire. You follow what I'm saying? See, so, so everybody ought to be involved. But notice how they did this. They gave not only what they could afford, verse 3, but far more. And they did it of their own what? Their own what? Their own free will. That's what this is all about. Not making you do anything. You don't have to give. You get to give. Did you get that? You don't have to give. You what? You get to. And I think that we haven't seen it properly. It's like Tom Sawyer with the fence. He had to get those other kids to see that painting that picket fence white was a blessing to get to do that. Is that right? How many of you have ever read Mark Twain and painting the fence, you know? 
And when people see it right, everybody's going to want to get a, get a paintbrush and start painting. Is that right? If you see this giving thing right in the light of the New Testament, and, and, and you're going to want to be a giver. Not you have to. You want to. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor and a blessing to get to give to God. I get to go to church today. Wow. Yeah. See, you've got the right attitude to worry. I get to give. Oh, the tithe and offering bucket's coming by. Man, this is an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God and bless people. My goodness. See, that's the kind of attitude we ought to have. Not that we have to do anything. We what? We, we what? We get to do it. Is that right? Boy, you look so excited out there. You're just motivating me to preach on. They did it of their own free will. And you think I'm joking here about the way I'm acting, but read verse 4. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. See, the way I was acting, I wasn't exaggerating. They were begging for an opportunity to get involved. Boy, if this is done right, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to everybody. You don't have to do any gimmicks. You don't have to beat anybody over the head. Boy, giving into the treasury of God is a blessing. Did you hear me? And you do it right long enough and and consistently enough, you'll get to where all your needs are met. You'll have abundance. My wife and I have proved it out. We've proved it out in our personal life and we've proved it out in this church. It works, guys. You work hard. You do the spiritual things, tithing and giving. You do the natural stuff you need to do. And you do it over time. And God will bless. Let's go on just a little further. I think you can take just a little more and then I'll, I'll close. But we saw in that previous verse, don't give in response to pressure. Pressure is a wrong motive for giving. Let me ask you, has anybody in this church ever felt pressured to give into anything over, over the last 20 some odd years? You felt pressured to give? Okay, well let's be sure we get that clear now. <laughs> Have you ever felt pressured here? Okay. Has anybody? Have you felt pressured here? Oh, not here. Okay, not here. Have you ever felt pressured in other churches? Calling no names you have? Has anybody ever felt pressured in other churches to give? Really? Have you ever here? Because I'd like to... No? And I'll tell you, almost without exception, those churches that pressure you, there's some exceptions, but almost without exception, they'll always struggle financially. They always will. I've watched, I've talked to so many preachers over the years and... A couple I'm thinking about now, every time I get together with them, they're down in the mouth about how the needs aren't met and how it's going so poorly. And you know what? They, it's always that way. Has anybody ever heard me down in the mouth from the pulpit about, about how things are tough and how things are barely getting by? Have you ever heard me talk? And I'm not, I'm not trying to boast myself, but I've tried to be an example to you. And we've never, we've never gone... One day, where are we going to have enough money to do what God's called us to do? It's a, it ought to be an example to you. Okay, you okay? Don't ever be down in the mouth about how bad things are. Faith calls things that be not as though they were. Is that right? 
You okay? Are you okay? Let me just give you a few wrong motives for giving. Don't ever give for out of pressure. Don't ever give for recognition. Well, if you give so-and-so, we'll give you a plaque with your name on it. If you give so-and-so towards the steeple, we'll put a plaque at the bottom of the steeple with your name on it. Or we'll put tile out there with your name on it. You know, and you don't need any recognition for your giving. That's one reason, no matter if somebody walked up to me after the service and handed this church a check for a million dollars, I'd say thank you and wouldn't say any more about it. Because I don't want your blessing to come when I'm clapping your, my hands for you. I want your blessing to come from God. He can bless you a whole lot better than I can. You don't want recognition from man for your giving. Did you hear me? This is a serious issue. It cost Ananias and Sapphira their lives. That's why they fell dead in church. Is because Barnabas had given a gift and he got recognized and they wanted to get recognized. There might have been some other things going on, but that was one of the main things. They wanted recognition. No, the Bible is clear when we give. Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Is that right? You okay? Don't ever give to try to buy influence in a church. I know of churches where people, the tithers and the givers, the big tithers and givers, had special seats on the front row. You know, we as ministers should never give special preference to the rich. Is that right? We should treat everybody equal. And we should never try to buy. How many of you know you can't buy a miracle from God? Remember uh, Simon the saucer tried to buy the gift of the power of the Holy Ghost and Peter rebuked him. Remember that over in Acts the 8th chapter? You can't buy the blessing of God. Nor should we as ministers treat the rich any better than we treat anybody else. I've tried to do this over the years. You come and give all kinds of money or you give nothing. I'm going to do my best to treat you the same. Don't ever give out of greed. Now I'll begin to close up right here. You okay? Are you alright? I'm not boring you, am I? Okay. Giving to get is a wrong motive, but you've got to be careful with this. Because there is a great truth in giving and receiving. Giving to get is a wrong motive, but there's a great truth in giving and receiving. Look, go to Philippians 4 verse 15, and then I just want to get this in, and then, and then we'll close. He, look at this, Philippians 4.15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning what? Giving and... See, we talk about the giving side. There is a receiving side. He said, you were the only ones that did. This is the only church that gave into Paul's ministry at this time. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid, this is financial aid, once and again for my necessities. Now watch this. Not that I seek a gift. See, I'm in good company there with Paul. I don't seek a gift from you. Not that I seek a gift. But I seek the... Now watch this. Look at what our giving does. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That's good, isn't it? 
And then he says, Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. Now look at these offerings, what they were to Paul. They met Paul's needs. But notice what the giving did to God. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. See, when we tithe and we give, it goes up into heaven as a sweet-smelling aroma unto God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, talking back about the Old Testament, but here men who die receive tithes, but up there he receives them. See, so when you give your tithes, uh, it it, it goes up into heaven as a sweet-smelling aroma, a sweet savor unto God. Can you say amen? Amen. Well-pleasing to God. And then look at verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's one of the reasons we give. The first reason we give is to be a blessing to God, to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. But there is also a truth in receiving. And look, this, this verse 19 only applied to people who were givers. God then will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Did you get that right there? This verse only applies to people who are give, giving into the work of God. Now, let me close with, with some gimmicks here that, 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 that preachers use. I think you'll find these rather entertaining and then we'll close. Okay? How many knows what a gimmick is? But in case you don't, I, need to, I feel I need to tell you what some of them are. Here's just a few. Just listen. These are money bilkers or hucksters. Here's what they'll do. When the impression is given that as a result of giving in a specific offering, you will receive some special kind of blessing, miracle, or breakthrough that you would not otherwise be entitled to if you were simply giving to your church or supporting some other ministry. In other words, if you give into this offering, magical things, wonderful things are going to happen. Don't believe it. It's a gimmick. Okay? Whoo, bull. If you give before, ooh, that anointing is only going to be here till 10 o'clock when we go off the air. So you need to send, go to the phone, go to the phone. Guys, don't give into that stuff. Stay away from that. It's just a gimmick. Yeah, but they're on television. Well, there's a lot of bizarre things on television. Here's another gimmick. When specially anointed oil or prayer cloths are used in conjunction with offerings, send in and we'll send you the oil from the Holy Land or we'll send you the special prayer cloth. I believe in prayer cloths. We, 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 have I ever made, have I ever asked you for any money for the prayer cloths? Have I? No, not going to. The anointing of God would lift so quick off this ministry if, if we did that. And then there's sometimes it's the old send it back routine. I know when Diane and I were in Bible school, we got on somebody's mailing list and, and, and then it got on other mailing lists and they'd send us the one we got was a, it was a, a, a net, a, like a fish net. And the first one was like blue. And so we had to pray over it and then send it back and then they'd send it. The, I think I did this once just to see what we'd get. And they sent back a red one. And then by the time you get into the other colors, they've got all kinds of money that you got to send back. And one of them, they'd, you'd put your hand on where the, the, their hand was and, and, and then you'd always have to send an offering back through the mail. Don't do any of that. Can you say amen? It's just a bunch of... Huey, Dewey, Huey, and Louie, all right? Just... You ever see Joyce Meyer doing any of that silliness? Never. You ever see Billy Graham doing any of that silliness? 
Hey, I'm going to talk, not today, but I'm going to talk to you about the hundredfold return. What the Bible has to say about that. I'm going to talk to you about supernatural debt cancellation, which is not a doctrine of the Bible. But we're going to look at these things. Aren't you excited about what we're going to do as we go ahead? Here's another one. Um, this one here, it gets my... Diane has to pull me back from the television set because sometimes I want to... You know, Elvis used to shoot television sets out. Remember that? How many remembers that? Sometimes I want to shoot the tell out. And this one gets me want to shoot the TV out. Whenever they were on there doing something Elvis didn't like, he'd just take his gun and shoot the television. When the minister suggests a donation amount based on a particular Bible verse... For example, after preaching on Isaiah 55:11, the minister suggests that if the listener needs a miracle, he should give an offering of $55.11. How many's ever seen that? I'm ready to shoot the television out on that. It's interesting that these ministers who use this technique are far more likely to preach on Isaiah 55:11 or Psalms 107:20 than they are to use Psalm 1 and 1. That's a knee slapper, isn't it? Here's another one. When they use Jewish feasts and dates in the Old Testament or the one guy gets on there about Passover time and all that. He goes on how if you give, give money, an angel will be released. And, and that's a bunch of, what is it? Huey, 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 Dewey, and Louie, right? When dates of certain Jewish feasts or other Old Testament events are used to promote special offerings in the New Testament era. Here's another one. When a message is peppered with not so subtle hints about how God has blessed people who have given to my ministry. That's called greasing the shoot is what they say in the world. I don't know. It's just a term they use for if I have people come up and say, you know, I gave to Pastor Terry's ministry and, you know, I went home and there was a check for $75,000 in the mail, that kind of stuff. You know, it's just, it's what, hooey, hooey, looey, and doing, right? Always be careful of ministers who get up and talk about how wealthy they are. And all, and and that's they do that regularly. Now today I told you we're blessed, but I seldom talk like that. And but if I got up here every Sunday, you know, I got this, I got that, I got the other, I got this, I got this watch, I got the, you ought to see my house. I mean, you need to stay away from that stuff. You hear me? And here's the last one, and we'll be done. When marvelous testimonies are offered. From individuals who experience extraordinary miracles as a result of giving to a particular ministry. Similar to what I just said, but listen. The implication is that if you give, then you will also experience the same kind of results. Now, I've noticed on TV commercials for weight loss products that a testimony is often given in which a person shares their story of drastic weight loss via that particular diet plan. At the bottom of the television screen, though, if you look closely, in small letters, you'll typically see the phrase, results not typical. Perhaps that is a legal requirement for secular advertising, but it would be refreshing to hear a minister acknowledge that most people who give are not going to find that unexpected $75,000 check in the mail or get their house miraculously paid off because they gave in that quote-unquote special offering. Results, what? Not typical. 
I know, I know when I lay there, sometimes we'll lay in bed and we'll watch the television at night right before we go to sleep or just any time. And they'll come on there and they'll be advertising this pill that if you take this pill, you're going to lose all this weight. Or if you, oh, buy all this food and eat all you want, you're going to lose all this weight. How many's ever seen that? And, you know, that's one of those times I have an Elvis moment. I want to do what? Shoot the television out. Because I've just lost, over the last two and a half years, I've lost 60 pounds. And I wish there'd have been a pill. I wish there'd have been a certain kind of fried chicken I could eat. I wish there was a certain kind of diet candy bar, snicker bar I could eat. But I'll tell you what. There is no magic pill you can take. There is no magic food you can eat. There's only one way you're going to be able to lose weight and keep it off is there's got to be less going in than what's going out. You're going to have to eat right and exercise. Game, set, match. There's no, none, nothing else works. You have to eat right and exercise. And those results are typical pretty much or might be some exceptions if it's a gland problem i always think about little engelberg remember little engelberg he was the catcher on the bad news bears and the first time the coach came in buttermaker there's little there's little eight-year-old uh engelberg he's sitting there he's about 50 50 to 70 pounds overweight and he's eating he's eating a chocolate eclair and buttermaker looks at him he's got this shoving his eclair in and he looks at buttermaker and he says it's a gland problem now, there are some people who they're on steroids and they can't lose the weight or there are there there are gland problems. But most people, if you want to lose weight, you got to what eat, say eat right and exercise. So you can't just take a magic pill or eat certain kind of magical food. No more than you can give in a special offering or give in, in a this offering or that offering or give one time. You have to you know how I lost the weight. I did it consistently over time and you know how god's going to bless you financially is if you're a tither and you're a giver consistently over time you will see that eventually all your needs will be met if you're doing the natural stuff as well and you'll get to a day where you'll move into the land of prosperity and you'll not only have enough to meet your needs but you'll have enough to be a blessing to the church and a blessing to your community and a blessing to your family can you say amen did you get anything out of this today I went a little bit, oh my gosh, stand with me if you